And I've learned the hard way that you're much better off looking for business opportunities that have tailwinds, Mm -hmm. right? Ones where the universe is conspiring to help you. And so what does the world want? Which way is the world going? I'm going to swim with that current. And that's made a huge difference in terms of how I approach stuff. You're listening to the Expertish podcast. Be sure to head over to iTunes or Spotify and tell Jay what you thought about this episode. Expertish is where you can learn how to invest from those who have, those who are, and have some fun along the way. Are you ready to start? Welcome to this week's episode of Expertish Podcast. Today, our guest is Michael Girdley. How's it going today, Michael? I am doing great. Thanks, Jay. Awesome. I appreciate you uh, taking the time to come on here with us today from San Antonio. Yeah, man. So San Diego of Texas. That's that's what I keep hearing <laughs> without the weather, as you mentioned before, right? <laughs> yes, that is absolutely <laughs> true. <laughs> well, Mike, to start out and um, let's talk a little bit, uh, just a little bit of background about yourself, if you don't mind, of you know how you've gone from software engineer to where you are now. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm from San Antonio, so um, I've ended up leaving like a lot of people and then coming back here. But um, grew up here in San Antonio, 46 years old now. Uh, went to high school here. Uh, like most folks in the late 90s, I wanted to get out of San Antonio as quickly as possible. Uh, it's It was a bit different then. Um, so left to go back east to college. Uh, went to Pennsylvania to Lafayette College. I got a computer science degree, managed not to get kicked out. Uh, and then after that, left and moved out to the Bay Area because I wanted to work in tech. Uh, and lived in San Francisco before there were actual jobs in San Francisco for tech. I had to drive down the peninsula um, for my first jobs, which were in engineering at, at big software companies, and then did all that for five, six years. And my wife and I decided we wanted to move someplace warm. And I said, I got a place. <laughs> and South Texas was was part of it. So um, we moved back here and I was an entrepreneur uh, CEO of several companies for about a decade, uh, one of which was our family business and a couple that I started. And then about 2013, made a transition to what I do now, which uh, investing in, incubating uh, and fostering and you know putting together, putting together businesses and then sitting on the boards and supporting the right leaders uh, in those companies. So uh, I've done that seven times now. So I have seven businesses that are in various stages uh, and I sit on the boards of all those and support those entrepreneurs that uh, are in the companies that I own all are part of. Awesome. How does that, do you have a, a, you know, kind of a parent business for that or, or you just kind of get connected and go from there? Uh, in terms of how it's structured or yeah. Like, do you have a, you know, people seek you out for that or how does that come about normally just organically or. Yeah. Um, so really I end up, um, practicing a a breed of entrepreneurship, um, called effectuation. It's, it's kind of like, if you've heard of lean startup before, um, or kind of the waterfall method. So like the waterfall method is you'd be like, okay, we're going to have this vision to do build a an electric car, right? And then you break that into incremental chunks and you get there. I don't do that. Um, or you can do the lean startup method, which is you go around and you talk to people and you're like, tell me what your problems are. Um, and then effectuation is like in the middle. And what effectuation is, is basically you view your entrepreneurial journey as a repeatable set of experiments where you're looking at the difference you can affect on the world. And then you start to go make little bets there to say, okay, well, like, cool. A, a business we incubated last year was actually um, to drive through coffee chain. Right. And I could talk to you about that. Um, yeah. 
And you're like, how do I own like, or have equity in a coffee chain? And another business I'm in is a coding bootcamp and a, uh, a, a, a fireworks company and a real estate company uh, and a software company. Like, how does all that come together? And it's all the, the chain together is this effectuation methodology where it's like, look and see the change you can make in the world and then go test it. And if it works, you double down, triple down, quadruple down in it. Well, let's go back to that fireworks. You slid fireworks company in there amongst like a real estate company, oh, yeah. software, tech, coffee. So what's this fireworks thing? Yeah, that's uh, our family business. So got involved in that. Um, when I moved back here, that was the first company I was a CEO of. So, um, you know, in California, you guys have like the little fireworks stands, shacks that show up every 4th of July. Uh, Texas is actually a better business than California uh, for that. Um, we have those. We also have indoor stores. Um, and so we have 200 odd of those locations uh, and a company that we've owned as a family since the 1960s. Oh, wow. That puts those things out. Yeah. Oh, that's kind of cool. Very de- You don't hear that one every day. No, I mean it's a hard business. Like, like the cash flow sucks. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it's not like anybody gives you the key to their city when you open up a fireworks stand or store outside of it. Um, you know, you're you're buying from the Chinese and then trying to sell to the public. Like, uh, it's 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 made. When I've gone into other businesses, I'm so glad that I was in the fireworks business because starting with a really hard one taught me how easy other businesses can be when like they, when customers do crazy stuff, like pay you each month, like that is not (laughs) something that happens to the fire. Cause think about it. Like you only sell stuff for the 4th of July or in in the Texas situation, 4th of July or new year's Mm -hmm. like that, that kind of stuff is really difficult, but it makes the rest of business like, Oh, this is not so bad. Like, right. That's a good point, man. You get, you start out on the rough side and just uh, go from there. Right. Everything seems Uh, like gravy. Well, there's, you know, for people that are transitioning, I know a lot of your folks listening to the podcast are transitioning out of the military. There's something to be said for picking a business with a relatively proven business model that is just hard as your first business because it forces you to learn all that stuff really quickly. Right. Um, and, you know, whether you're starting a moving company or, you know, an insurance brokerage or a real estate brokerage, like it forces you very quickly to learn all that stuff before you, you know, kind of later on take, take swings at the plate that maybe are harder difficulty things. Um, but that hardness of just like, Oh man, I can't find people for this company, all that kind of stuff. Like you just learn so much so quickly. Uh, and that's, that's one of the things I've seen people do that have turned out really successful. Yeah. You have to learn quickly or else you run out of money. So when you, (laughs) when you're, when you're funding it yourself, I've learned that you, you, that really accelerates the learning curve when you're going, Oh man, my, my bank account's going backwards. Let's, let's, let's learn this crap quickly. Uh, Well, that's, I mean, and that's, that's a thing that's really wacky about, about entrepreneurship is people think, oh, if I have more money or more resources, when I'm starting my business, it will turn out to be a better business. And actually the opposite is often true because like, you know, you're, you bootstrapped your, your real estate brokerage, like think about all the stuff you had to learn to deal with the natural constraints that if somebody had given you a million dollars to start that brokerage, you just never would have learned and you would have right. lost $3 million later on. You can <laughs> learn those good habits. Right. So like, that's, that's one of the things I coach entrepreneurs are like, well, like, you know, this would just all go away if I had $300,000 to start this or whatever. And I'm like, it, it would bite you in the end. Like that's yeah. not going to help you. That's yeah. worse for you. Yeah. Well, it's true. Even when we're bringing people onto our company, even like bringing on agents and stuff, if we give them all the leads, you know, like, 
yeah, we want to be able to do that and supplement income and stuff. But we've learned that if we do that in the beginning, they never learn to develop their own. So it's kind of really a higher failure rate by providing that. So now it's kind of like, you got to start off with teach you how to do your own. Then we can supplement with handing stuff to you, you know, but yeah, you're right. Like having stuff handed, you just, there's no learning to it. Just (laughs) take it for granted and it eventually collapses for sure. I'd like to invite everyone to come hang out with the Landing Collective and Expertish podcast team at the Swing for Our Heroes charity golf tournament at the Omni La Costa Resort in Carlsbad, California on Friday, September 17th. So we'll all be out there in support of our amazing friends at STEP. STEP stands for Support the Enlisted Project. And we're really honored to partner with this incredible team at STEP, not just because it's such a great cause, but honestly, because everyone at the organization, they're just generally great people making a difference. So if you're not familiar with the organization yet, the abbreviated mission of STEP is to build financial self-sufficiency among active duty enlisted members and recently discharged veterans and their families facing financial crisis. This is done through counseling, education, and grants. So if you're wondering how you can support Swing for Our Heroes, you can always make a donation or even better, come join fun play in the tournament. Or if you can't make it out, you can always sponsor a player, letting an active duty member come out and play in your place and enjoy a day of golf. For more information about Steps Mission and for the information to register for Swing for Our Heroes, we put together a website called helpbethesolution.com. That's helpbethesolution.com. Just go there, check out the information. It'll have a registration form as well as the different ways that you can participate. So we really appreciate that. Hopefully we'll see you out there and thanks for your support. I love that you have such a broad scope of experience, but I guess realistically, a lot of it, once you've done a couple businesses, business is somewhat business, right? Like, I mean, you've got some intricacies and different things, but you know what to look for, for those. Yeah. I mean, there's the, there's a, a big private equity firm called Vista Equity up in, in Austin and they just do enterprise software and kind of joke they have is just all software tastes like chicken. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and there's, there's elements of that, like all small businesses to some extent taste like chicken. Like my board meetings for a fireworks company are not that different than my, you know, my, coding school and not that different than the software stuff. Like it, it's the same stuff where there's chicken over and over again. So there is something there together where it, it all makes sense. And I'm specializing kind of in that, that the things that I do, which I do the same for everybody, just, they don't seem at first glance, like they have a lot in common. <laughs> right. Right. What about the people that are, uh, that you're helping with some of these? Like I found that it, I, I think that sometimes people that haven't worked in a business see that like, it's like a curtain of Oz or something, you mm-hmm. know, where they think there's just these big secrets behind it. But then when you get to see some of the people that are building really successful businesses and where they've started and how they've built it, there's, there's not like this, um, I don't know, this hidden world where people are just successful with things there. People are coming from all walks of life, all like backgrounds, all uh, different opportunities or lack of opportunities. And really it comes from finding that need, you know, they find something, you know, that has a need or, or a market. And like you said, learning it and just learning how to provide that, that service. Yeah. Well, and on top of that, like finding yourself the right network of people. And and some of us, I think are lucky enough to be born with parents. My parents were entrepreneurs. Like I learned a lot about business, just hanging around the dining room table. Right. Um, And I think my kids get that too. You know, other people aren't so fortunate. Um, I'm a big believer in, you know, folks that are starting out 
at any stage, finding a peer group of people that you aspire to be like. And, you know, I'm a a member of a CEO peer group here. um, And I intentionally chose the one locally in San Antonio that I thought was the hardest core, the the most I could afford and the people Mm -hmm. that I aspired to be like. Um, And I think that's that second part. Like, how do you get yourself exposed to folks who have done it before and Mm -hmm. be there to kind of see what they're doing and, you know, maybe get inspired if not armed from a like skill set standpoint to perform right. just as well as they do. So, right. No, that's good. And, and for me, that one of the answers to that was, you know, we talked a little bit, um, you know, with putting this podcast together was to kind of give people like that idea of like that you can access other people, you can learn from other people. And there's so many things out there and uh, just ideas on how to how to invest or how to get started in a different career stuff. But on the me side of that, on the selfish side, podcast is 110% networked me to people that would have been so much more difficult to do because people are right. happy to share the next person they think would be good for a podcast to share the information. And that's been tremendous to me. So there's always a way, right? Yeah, definitely, totally definitely a way to, to, uh, you know, get connected with people that, that, you know, that you want to uh, learn from or aspire to be for sure. Another thing with the diversity of your background, something that I, I really like to hit on a lot of times is how just hard work or recognizing opportunity or just you know keeping your eyes open to opportunity um, breeds more opportunity. You yeah. know, like not everything. Like obviously, when I started this business, it was really for one reason. You know, really work on relocation, veteran and military real estate, uh, do a better job at that. But from being connected to people in that, it's off, you know, the offshoot from that's been, you know, an investing company, uh, a property management company. And then now we talked a little about, about the incubator we're trying to develop now mm-hmm. and now into developing um, property. Uh, so it's, it, that's like in four years of just keeping my eyes open and my ears open to other people who are, are way more experienced than me, you yeah. know, and it's, and it's crazy when people see you putting in the work yourself they'll share so freely, you know? And I think it's kind of back to the kind of like we were talking about the leads and stuff. If someone's putting the work in, other people are happy to share to help you become successful. Um, If you're just not, you know, if you just want it done for you, then yeah, not so much so so because they're busy and I get that. But um, kind of, you know, looking at yours, like you've gone, uh, it seems to me too, a little bit more towards what you enjoy because we were talking about education before, right? Now Mm -hmm. you get to educate a lot of people. And where do you think your, I don't know, like your drive for the education was? Do you think that was always kind of in you, you know, always wanting to educate or was that something that developed later? Uh, It's maybe simpler than that. Like, I think that um, one of the, one of the mental models, like I use on a daily basis is just understanding how people are wired is very different. Um, and, you know, I think personally I'm wired to be somebody that really likes to live in an idea and a concept space, um, you know, and, and wants to be creative all the time. And at its core, like you think about education, it is a creative problem solving exercise where you are trying to share with somebody else, something that will make sense in their brain. Right. Right. And they've, they've gone to look, for example, like what makes a really successful tutor from like a mediocre tutor. Right. And the difference is, is a really successful tutor will understand the precise thing that you as the student or the pupil needs to hear next to unblock you. Right. Anybody can tell you the next correct thing, but that precise thing that you need to hear in a way that you need to hear it to unblock you is what separates a great, a great tutor from a mediocre one. And so 
you know, like you put all that together and bring that back together. It's like, like I've just developed a comfort with at this age, right. I'm mid forties of how I'm wired. Like that's just who I am. Right. And just like, if you told me, Hey, Michael, like you're going to be an accountant and you're going to do the same thing every day and you're going to make sure it's, you couldn't pay me enough money to do that job. Like, right. I mean, I'm sure you could like, because, but, but it'd have to be a lot, uh, <laughs> a lot, a lot. And even then after a while, I'd be like, I can't do this anymore because this is not how I'm wired. So, yeah. you know, coming back to education, coming back to creativity and all that kind of stuff, that's Popeye, right? Just am what I am. <laughs> it, and I'm just going to play to that. And, and, you know, that's what I enjoy doing. It makes me feel fulfilled and other people are going to be different and I'm just going to respect that. Yeah. No, that's awesome. But we need people different, you know, we need different. Well, that was like early on as an entrepreneur, like I looked up and the first couple of teams that I built were all like idea, energetic, you know, shiny object people like me. And uh, they also all have a lot of them happen to be tall white males. It's like, okay, I'm doing doing something wrong here. Um, But like that brings it all together. Like I looked up and those teams never got anything done. Like we all, it was all ideas and no execution and, you know, adopting, you know, a a model of personality where you understand everybody's different leads me to also understand how heterogeneous teams made of people of different backgrounds, different wiring, uh, different goals in life, different attitudes, all that stuff is essential. Um, And I think you've probably seen it, but there's data out there that actually shows heterogeneous teams outperform homogeneous teams. Mm -hmm. Have have you seen any of that kind of stuff? I have. Yeah, I have actually. Yeah. So that perfect for me that, that re- reinforced my worldview. <laughs> right. And I'm a total believer now in terms of heterogeneous teams being the way to put together great teams. I a hundred percent believe with that. And, um, some of my, that my, probably my ideology and that is a little bit even more simple. It's that, uh, any more than one of me and I couldn't tolerate it. Like, <laughs> yeah. like it's hard enough. I'm sure it's hard enough for the rest of the, the team to tolerate me. So I, we don't need I two of me. <laughs> yeah, so, makes it simple. Makes it yeah, simple. T- totally with you. But, but I do agree too, because if you, you just really need, I mean, look at, uh, it's kind of like all-star teams too. I'm not going to say that like, you know, one, one mindset's the all-star over the others, but all-star teams typically aren't going to perform the way, uh, a solid, you know, normal team would play. Right. Um, because they just don't have that same mesh, you know, it doesn't, doesn't come together the same way. And you really do need that variety. And, uh, in a a lot of ways, more than a couple, you know, for sure. Um, not everybody's going to, the other thing that I've seen personally is, well, and I even had to recognize this is when you're starting your business too, you have to realize that not everyone has the same drive and that's okay. You know, it depends on the position they're doing. And then also you can't expect anyone to have the same drive in your company that you do, Mm -hmm. you know? So a few things that you kind of have to recognize early. Well, and, and also I think the double click on that is also, you know, as an early entrepreneur, I was like, why doesn't everybody want to be an entrepreneur? Like this seems the only way to live. And, you know, the wrong thing about that is me thinking like, no, this is the only way it is correct for me to live. Like other people, like, and the reality is entrepreneurs were 1%, half a percent of the population. Like most people should just go get a job. Like they're, and I know that's not the theme of your podcast, but they're going to be happier. Yeah. Like they like a paycheck. They want to know that the money's going to come every two weeks and the money goes to their forecast. Like 
go ahead. Like, that's great. Yeah. And it works for me because like, well, like if I'm going to build a company, it needs to hire people. So right. <laughs> it's all pretty good. But that's also something that, you know, my in team building and organizational building, I used to try to build up the people that work for me and be like, well, don't you want to be an entrepreneur? And it turned out none of them did. Otherwise, <laughs> if they if they actually did, they would have gone to start companies instead of coming to work for my, my right. lame self. Right. So like it totally, it totally works. So anyway, it does. I, I, it does. But I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. There's days too. I'm like, man, I should just went and taken a job because you can clock out, you yeah. know? And now it's like, oh man, when you get to clock out, I mean, you do have, I mean, I, I'm making it sound worse than it is kind of. Um, but yeah, there, I a hundred percent agree with you. There's so, so many plus, you know, pros and cons to, to both and thank God not everybody wants to do everything. Right. Yeah. You know, <laughs> <laughs> Boy, we never get anything done around here. So no. <laughs> somebody, somebody's got to get the work done. Right. Like, you no, know, for sure. I was going to call out some people that are doing the work for me while I'm sitting here talking to you. Um, so this, uh, well, this, uh, if you made them do this, they might feel like it's work. Uh, well, we, we did one with, uh, Maya, who's my operations person. She's yeah. been with me from like the very beginning of the, uh, the company. And, and she did one with me and you would have thought like, I mean, I think she was going to have a nervous breakdown before we even started, um, right. hated, just hated every second of it. So I, if I'm like, Hey, I'm going to, uh, you know, I won't be available for the next hour and do a podcast. She could care less because it's not her having to do it. So it's like, yeah, go, go do all those, do them all. Just don't ask me to do it again. There you go. But I get it. I get it for sure. As far as like... <sighs> like opportunities that you're seeing now, kind of a more of a, a now question, more of a timely question. What are some of the opportunities that maybe you see now in uh, whether it's career space, whether it's investing or, you know, anything along those opportunities uh, or along those lines for opportunities? Because something that I, I, we do tend to talk about quite a bit is, you know, paying attention that things change over time, you know, like in real estate itself, obviously there's to me, investing, there's always an opportunity. It just may not be the book you read yesterday. It might not right. be the same method, but there's always opportunity. But what do you see in both, like say in the investing side and or the business side as opportunities that are coming out now as we're coming, you know, from a crazy couple of years? Yeah. Well, I mean, I know a lot of people are super doomy and gloomy about stuff. Um, a lot of that's the media kind of telling yeah. us things are terrible, but you know, things, things have always been not perfect. That's just right. the nature. That's just the nature of life. You know, I think we have all time highs for almost every asset class, especially if it's one that is generally accessible. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, just trying to, as you see somebody trying to go buy a, you know, a fourplex, like expect to pay up, right? Yeah. You're going to, the perfection is going to be priced in. So, you know, assets are expensive. You know, there's a school of thought that when assets are expensive, go make some assets, right? And right. that could be, um, that could be an opportunity inside of, you know, building something anew, whether that's a business or a, uh, you know, a cash flowing piece of real estate or developing something. Those are, those are all there. Um, you know, I've focused more of my attention recently on, you know, building assets just because as I keep looking at assets to buy, unless you have an edge to where you can extract more value from that asset than somebody else can, uh, you're going to have a tough time. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, so, you know, we can dig on that, what that edge thing means, but yeah. I mean, there's, for me, there's a lot of like, this is a great time to be a creative because mm -hmm. if you're ready to create something, it turns out a lot of people have a lot of money that they're willing to be your customer right now. Cause yeah. they're stuck in their house. Yes. <laughs> right. That's true. <laughs> so true. 
Uh, in fact, you could go buy some, you know, uh, JPEGs of monkeys for $2 million. They're available. <laughs> oh my so. God. It's, people will buy anything. Like I was even looking at my, uh, just now I was looking back, trying to gather some receipts from a, uh, from furnishing a property that we put together. And I'm like looking yeah. back going, how much have I spent on Amazon? And, you know, over, you know, and we're talking about the little things, you know, Amazon's great for you and like all the light bulbs yeah. and some fixtures and stuff. But I'm looking back going just from there, how much did I spend in the last years? And I stopped count- counting because I just didn't want to know the truth. Let the count, <laughs> let the count worry about that. Just, just, just sign it and don't let me see it, please. Uh, there you go. But no, that is true. And so talk to me though, like, let's do go back to that part about like, you know, seeing what your edge is and how you can find the edge to be able to invest in or, or see opportunity. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you a good story. And it comes from a podcast that I co-host with a couple other guys um, called Acquisitions Anonymous. And um, so basically the podcast is one where each week we look at two small businesses for sale and then we talk about them. That's the whole podcast. Okay. It's it's really popular. Um, so, uh, so we had a guy on who has built and sold two companies in the fastener space. Okay. So fasteners are like you know, the things that if you're a machine shop and you need screws, bolts and all that kind of stuff, instead of going to Home Depot or you need something custom, um, you go there. And, you know, we were, we were sitting there talking to him, going through two deals and we pulled up two different companies from buy biz sell that were for sale. Me and the two other guys, one's an e-commerce guy and the other one owns a roofing company in South Carolina and I'm me. Okay. So none of us has any kind of stuff. And I watched this gentleman who had experience in that go from being able to take a look at those two deals, decide one was terrible, despite it being selling for the same multiple of of revenue. And the other one was amazing because of something we just had no idea because he had such an insight that he was able to extract and see how that was a great deal. And we said, by the end of it, the other two guys on the podcast, me, we were like, okay, are you ready to move to Georgia and do this? And he's like, (laughs) I don't want to move to Georgia, but it was just like that level of compelling thing. So, you know, the edges are things that you as a buyer of an asset have that other buyers do not that allow you to extract extract more value. So in his case, he had knowledge of the space. Mm -hmm. Uh, He had connections in the space. He had resources in the space. So he knew like factories in Mexico, he would call to go after and do that kind of stuff. Um, And so like one of my businesses is currently looking at an acquisition. I don't think anybody else would pay the price we're going to pay just because we know how to operate that thing better than they do. Mm -hmm. Um, And to an off the street buyer, like good luck, like without our knowledge, you're going to be in a huge, huge amount of trouble. So, you know, I think that's where you can take that and have that understanding of how the world works is like, understand what makes you an acquirer of an asset different from somebody else, right? right? What, what allows you to have, a set of special skills that mean other people aren't going to come come after you. So another great example, you'll see them all the time, uh, dental practices for sale. Uh-huh. Den- I, I don't know if you know this, but dental practices are the lowest failure rate small business. Yeah. Turns out everybody has teeth that yeah. you want to talk to. Yeah, yeah um, right. <laughs> they, need, they need to be cleaned on the regular mm-hmm. and it's high margin. Like that's why it's the lowest failure rate small business. But like the buyer, potential buyers for those dental practices, you got to know dentistry. Right. Like, So like you or I should probably not buy a dental practice, but if you're a dentist, like how can you make money off the fact that you're part of the 0.5% of the population that likes sticking their hands in people's mouths, right? As a professional, (laughs) that that would be mine. Like when you were talking about the accounting would be a crazy amount of money. That would be mine. Dent, you know, it's going to, cause I want the clean teeth. 
Yeah. Well, and, and to some extent, like you look at you, for example, right? You transitioned out of the military. You have a set of skills that like I would never have in terms of understanding the mindset of how somebody coming out of the military thinks. Like, I don't know. You guys all look like GIs to me. Like, you're nice, <laughs> but you, you know, I, I like your haircuts, but like that's, everybody has that. You just have to figure out what that is yeah. uh, and then leverage that su- special superpower to go figure out where you can compete as an acquirer or a builder of things that just other people won't be able to be with you. Right. Right. I think sometimes too, uh, some of that success can come from recognizing which people to partner with as well. And, and same as the companies you were talking about, not always partnering with the same strengths, you know, where, you know, if you have a couple people working on certain projects and all three, you know, or, you know, two other people you're partnering with and all three have a separate background and skill, mm-hmm. there's a lot better chances you're going to cover the gamut of uh, issues that you can, that you're going to encounter than if they were all you. Right. Right. Yeah. But it, I mean, it's super dangerous because like the people you gravitate to are the people like you that think right. like you, it, which is, it, you ask like, well, why shouldn't people hire their friends? Like besides the fact that you're friends and you have like a weird relationship with them, like it's also because more often than not, they think like you, right? If right. I'm an idea person, guess what my friends are all like? Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't exactly. need any more of those. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I, we, I need true. somebody like your operations manager who just wants to sit there and stare at a screen all day. Where are there any more of those people? <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. They could, it can get everything done so much more quickly and efficiently than I can, oh, for sure. I could do one thing better than anybody. The second time will be okay. The third mm-hmm. time I'll forget I'm supposed to do it. That's... Like that happened over and over again. Yeah. I kind of, uh, kind of have a little bit of that problem too. I get harassed all the time, you know, rightfully so there's a certain form, like a certain inspection form from every, every property that you sell, it's supposed to happen. I never do it. I never, I think I've remembered three times to do it without being reminded out of, you know, three times out of the last hundred homes, I've probably remembered it. <laughs> Those are the worst. I just click no on everything or un- <laughs> unknown in Texas well, where you just go unknown. That, that's what I, I should be doing, but I should just have it already done. But now like, yeah, she just knows I'm not going to do it and just done it for me. So no, no, I stop asking. So maybe I, maybe I actually won this battle. Uh, in, in corporate America, there is a strategy, which is, I forgot the exact name of it. It's like feigned incompetence. It's basically any, the strategy is to survive in corporate America, any job that you really don't want to do, even if you can do it well, you do it poorly when asked to, and then they never ask you to do it again. It's, if it helps, it's the same in military, you know, (laughs) like same exact thing because people are like, oh man, they're going to, they're going to have to, I'm going to have to more spend more time watching this person and teach them how to do it over and over than it would be just to have someone else do it. So, so yeah, that same escape route all the time. I hear you. All the time. It's, sorry, one that I'd written down when you mentioned it earlier, and it, this is jumping back away from business, but I'm guessing when you said that uh, you, know, you and your wife moved back to San Antonio, you said you had the perfect place. I'm guessing she wasn't from there. Oh yeah, she's from Youngstown. So Ohio. that's what I was going to say. How in the world did you convince her of that? Uh, well, there's, she didn't know better, right? She didn't know. (laughs) She liked it. I mean, my wife is, man, she's like the world's most amazing team player. And um, I think, you know, at that time and still like being a mom is like, that's what she's put on the earth to do. And this is a great place to be a parent. Yeah. (laughs) Really? (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. Right on. I just, when you were talking about going Bay Area to there and stuff, I'm like, wait, did she know what she was getting into? So no, that's awesome, man. 
Very cool. Well, what about, do you have any upcoming projects or any, any stuff that you've got, uh, you know, working on now coming to fruition? Um, let's see two that I can't talk about. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, it's like the, in some industries you can like, if you're in real estate, you know, and like, or you're, you know, real estate, private equity or whatever, you can talk about stuff and it doesn't really matter. Some guy in Topeka knows you're building this trip center and, you know, Corpus Christi. Right. Um, so, you know, I think that that for sure is, is some stuff that we'll be able to talk about in the future. Um, you know, continue to work on the the podcasts that I've been doing, really enjoying putting those together. It's a great byproduct of COVID for me is just learning all the technology about how to do it. I envy you to have like professional producers. Uh, we do not have the budget for that. I didn't, so, I didn't, I didn't say I had the budget. I uh, just knew I, I would not get it done. How about that? Uh, oh. Yeah. I mean, I've got a whole great workflow now where it's like, you know, we, you and I are on zoom right now, but we yeah. use, um, you know, Riverside, which is like mm-hmm. a, a, a local recording infrastructure. Then I send it off to a, an editor. He sends it back to me three days later, post it and promote it. You know, e- each episode has gone down to probably 12 minutes of work on top of recording. So that's awesome. pretty fun. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Maybe if I'd spent this time over the last year learning it instead of paying for it, but, but this is good. It's, this is actually good too. Well, um, yours, yours probably looks a lot better than ours. <laughs> <laughs> well, also, you know what? The other, uh, another thing is too, it uh, has added to my network just from the guys that are producing it too, because it's a military company that does the production and, and, and they've done a great job of connecting me to their sphere, you know? And so that, we, yeah. you know, it just really just increases that, that network all around. So it's absolutely worth it. And they do a great job. And again, I'm scared of technology in a lot of ways. So, oh, okay. Yeah. I'm so I would just screw it up. You know, like I said, somebody, you know, you need clients somewhere, right? I'm, I'm that guy. I'm that client. If it comes to tech, I'm the client. Perfect. <laughs> so now, you know, I'm, I'm a, um, gosh, what do you call it? Like an easy target, I guess. <laughs> a mark. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a mark. What, what are we, how about, what are the names of your podcast? You mentioned one before, but what are the names so people can check it out? Yeah. So one is uh, Acquisitions Anonymous. Um, so that's a, the podcast where we analyze two small business for, for sale. And yeah, try it out. It's basically like a practical MBA. And uh-huh. the stuff we talk about is stuff that I've never read in a business book. Okay. You know, it's just like, for example, like you look at these listings for the business for sale. And last week we spent a good five minutes looking at the way it was written and what that tells you about what your experience is going to be buying the business. Like nobody talks about, that's the stuff like your yeah. old grandfather, but that's yeah. the kind of stuff that's in there that you're not going to find in the MBA for dummies book. Um, so that's acquisitions anonymous. And then the other one we do um, is called unusual profits. So P R O F I T S unusual profits. And basically that is a podcast where I interview people in unique niche businesses and understand how they work. So I'm kind of a business nerd, if you couldn't tell. So doing, we've done everything from a goat rental business, like the four legged goats <laughs> to um, last week's episode was um, a lady whose company uh, builds uh, medical modules that go under uh, military cargo planes. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a guy that uh, has a big business uh, generating Bitcoin using spare 
what's called flare gas, excess gas at oil wells, like just all kinds of crazy ways that people make money uh, and do really well. So, you know, if you're into how business works and how these kind of corners of the industry work and how people in these different industries have dealt with the specific challenges presented to them, uh, it's really fun. So that's unusual profits uh, as well. So it's free and available wherever podcasts are sold. Right on. Yeah, I'm going to check those out, especially that I want to check out this Acquisitions Anonymous for sure. It seems like it'd be really interesting. Yeah, it's on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. So super fun. Cool. I definitely will check that out. What about... So also hear that you've got quite the Twitter following. Yeah. If you want yeah. to talk about... Let's I've, talk about that for a minute. I've gotten really into Twitter uh, in the past 15 months or so. And it kind of ties back to this idea of it's a great platform for teaching, especially if there's just, there's just a universe of people on there, whatever kind of corner of knowledge you're interested in, whether it's business, real estate. Um, and so I've kind of found my little corner of it over the past 18 months of COVID uh, and, and really enjoyed it. Gone from about 1800 followers to 23,000. Oh so, yeah, I don't, know, I don't know what's wrong with people. <laughs> That's awesome. I couldn't get 23 people to listen to me if I were talking. So it is, uh, I used to play a lot of video games. Uh-huh. It has replaced video games. It's the no same. Yeah. It's the same. Like playing the game is the mm-hmm. same, like part of my brain. That's crazy. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, what, so what, what, what is it for you? What is it that makes that, uh, that game for you? Is it? Uh, it's definitely entertaining. Um, I like the challenge of, in Twitter, you're forced to speak concisely mm-hmm. and clearly. Um, you're also forced to understand the nuance of things. So for example, if you want to put a post on Twitter, the best way to get a lot of engagement is actually to put something wrong or that could be interpreted, misinterpreted as wrong. So the difference of one word can totally change um, how you go about things on there. It also teaches you copywriting, right? So like, how do you start with the emotion that you're looking for in your reader and then use that as a key to then play off of for the rest of your content? You know, it's it's a fascinating study in psychology as well. Like there's a lot of high school-y stuff going on mm-hmm. that's just like, wow. <laughs> like, yeah, wow. right. Uh, and then, then there's a level of self-discipline too, where you're like, okay, what sort of person do you want to put yourself out as yeah. on the internet, right? And like, uh, like anybody else, I can be cynical and angry, but like, do I want to be that person on the internet? And no, right. like, so I have to, I have to do that. Um, it forces you to try to be funny. Like I, you know, <laughs> try to be funny. Like, so there's just so much of it. And then there's people that are also building networks there. They talk about that's, it's a million times better than any kind of LinkedIn or chamber of mm-hmm. commerce um, because you're, you're meeting and interacting with other people around ideas and concepts as opposed to around proximity or status, right? Totally different. Right. Right. That's yeah, that's it. And you, and you just really got into it more in the last 15 months. So, so that's, yeah. that's when you, your growth spurt, if you will. Yeah. I don't know. COVID COVID's done a couple of things for me. One is that, uh, the other, I really got into cycling, uh, bicycling, both road and mountain in the past oh, right year. On. And, you know, I think the other thing COVID for me, like I, it really gave me the freedom to start saying no to more stuff that yeah. just was low ROI, like going to conferences, going to dinners, lunches, cocktail parties, like mm. boring, not yeah. interesting, you know, that kind of social pressure stuff. Like I just, it's nice not to have to do it anymore. Right. Uh, and I can feed that m- into more productive things. 
Right on. Well, I'm glad that you said Twitter and not uh, like OnlyFans or something because I, I don't think we. Oh, I, got I don't want to go there. Yeah, I got, I got, I got one of those too, but I'm making too much money to talk about that. I uh, got gotcha. you. We don't we don't ain't, want anybody copying that model. Ain't, ain't nobody want to see <laughs> on OnlyFans. I was thinking of a different model for myself. Like if I put one up and I'll make people like pay me to stop. You know, maybe I can make some money. <laughs> put your shirt on, five dollars. Here you go. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Whatever it takes, man. There's a niche for everything, like you said. Hey, yeah. Right? Uh, if, if if there is a thing, someone on the internet is into it. Yeah. Just so oh you my know. god. That's the way yeah, it works. That's the that's that's such a scary and yet true statement. Like I don't even I don't even want to think further on that. Let's change the subject real quick. So I, yeah, sure. Whatever I don't need, need I don't need that image in my brain the rest of the day. <laughs> what could be going on in there. Well, I actually, I told you earlier, I was going to let you try to talk me into getting on Twitter and you, but you kind of said that you'd probably try to talk me out of it. Like just, uh, it, it, I guess if you don't have a really a uh, purpose, if you don't really want to be engaged in it, it's, it could be, uh, another, just another distraction. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think like, like everything else, um, you got to decide what's right for you. Yeah. You know, at this this stage in life, I'm over trying to convince people to change, you know, you do what you feel and it's a big world. And if it works for you, great. If it doesn't work for you, great. I can just tell you what works for me. Um, yeah. But like, yeah, I've just, I've been involved in way too many cults so far and <laughs> tried to recruit people in them. I'm just like, I'm over it. Like, yeah. so, so yeah, I'll just focus my recruiting efforts on, Hey, you know, work with me, partner with me. But other than that, man, you do you, you want to yeah. go to Sturgis and ride around in a Harley like, Sounds terrible. I'm sure you'll have a lot of fun. Like, <laughs> right. That, that's back to, I guess that it really is back to what we were talking about with the teams as well. You need different people for everything. Cause there's definitely people that are just love certain things that I right. cannot comprehend how yeah. that would be enjoyable, but Hey, whatever, you know? Yeah. And it's a big world out there. Like, it, you know, I think as a young person, we're all, we all grow up with people exactly our age at the same age in life. And then you graduate college and suddenly you're hanging around with 35 year olds Yeah, and you're not going to be interested in the same stuff they are. And it's a hard lesson to learn. And that extends to exactly what you're talking about. Like if somebody else is interested in Dungeons and Dragons, not yeah. for me, go right. ahead. You do you, I'll find <laughs> some other people that are interested in it. Like no, no harm, no foul. Right. Know? Right. No, for sure. No, I love that. Well, how about, uh, just, you know, give me, I always like to come back to it, like kind of a success. And then if there's like one of your the largest failure, I, cause I just like, you know, I don't know. I share a lot of failures cause I make a lot of mistakes. Um, and just to, you know, kind of let people laugh at me and then also know that it's okay. And that you can, you know, a failure is totally fine and you can move past that. So or disaster, whatever you want to call yeah. it. Yeah. I actually have a great tweet thread about my 16 largest failures. It went somewhat viral. Um, nice. But yeah, I mean, I think that's just the nature in life. You go out and you do stuff and things are going to happen. Um, you know, I've done things where we've lost a lot of money, done things where I've ruined relationships and been, out, you know, ruined and beyond repair. Um, you know, so I think there's all those kind of things in, in my past. You know, I do think that as I look back on business failures, I wished I could do over again. You know, I've learned the hard way that you're you're much better off looking for business opportunities that have tailwinds, mm -hmm. right? Ones where the universe is conspiring to help you. And I've tried stuff in San Antonio, for example, where I looked up and San Antonio helped me not at all. <laughs> like I was fighting against what San Antonio is. 
And so, you know, that's where it's like, okay, what does the world want? Which way is the world going? I'm going to swim with that current. And so that's, that's made a huge difference in terms of how I approach stuff. So, yeah, I mean, we started a Halloween retailing business here 15 years ago, and then Amazon came along and life kind of sucked. Right. Like, Like that was a wave we didn't see coming. So, you know, that kind of stuff happens all the time, but, you know, we talked about this before, I think understanding that asymmetric bets are going to pay off for you, right? Asymmetric bets are ones where you invest X, but it could pay you 50X someday. Uh, And the worst that's going to happen to you is you're going to lose X, right? right? And, And so, you know, that inspiration for me is now at a place where, you know, I'm making a career out of making those little bets. Right? right. And, and hopefully most of them pay off and some will, and one's probably going to outweigh all the other ones combined. Right. Um, and that's just the nature of the way things shape out. And so anyway, super optimistic about all of that. And I feel good about just the level of thinking and compounding that I feel like I've done to hopefully get to be only marginally stupid at this point. <laughs> marginally stupid. I'm, I'm going to borrow that too. <laughs> I like that. That's something for me to aspire to, but no, I agree with that as well. And and I think that people have to expect a few trips along the way, you know, and especially when you're talking about investing, whether it's in businesses, uh, regular, you know, investing in properties, investing in anything, there's going to be some losses or there's going to be some, maybe a draw, you know? Right. And then I think people, a lot of times when they're starting out, they just see like that a success story. And they don't realize too, that a lot of times what they read or what they see in public you know, it may be very true of the success story, but generally that person, that's not the only investment. That's not the only business they built. That's not the only of any of these things. So to have, you know, to expect everything to be a home run is just unrealistic, you know, but like you said, you know, if, if the probability you feel good about that opportunity, that double, triple, 50 times your risk, then it's pretty awesome. You know, and, and even some people like when they haven't done it yet, I have people talking about like, well, if that's not going to double my money in, in a year, and it's like, what world are you in that that's your biggest thing? Like, so if it, if it only gives you, you know, a 75% return in a year, is that going to, that's going to break your heart? Like clearly you haven't done any, you know, you haven't tried this yet. So yeah, I like, like that way of looking at it. And I'm same as you, very optimistic that every time that we do something, I'm going to learn from it and give me a better chance for the next opportunity as well. Yeah. Totally dig it. Totally dig it. Awesome, man. Thank you so much. All right, man. You killed it. Thank you. Hey, take care. Bye-bye. Bye.